From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. The power of personal choice. That is what we're talking about today. And we're going to be drawing insights from an unusual place or not a place that we've ever talked about before from Stoic philosophy and Stoic philosophers. These are the the likes of Marcus Aurelius and such. And uh, the guy that is going to sort of facilitate that journey for us is a very, very famous, successful literary agent. And so we're going to have a chat about that and um, just hear a little bit about his journey and get to meet him and uh, see a little bit behind the scenes of what goes on in the the publishing world, and then you know, kind of applying those principles to life. And I think for me, there were there were two really really big reminders that uh, I walked away with. And just like always, I will do a little debrief and highlight those for you at the end of the show. And hopefully, there'll be things that you can put into action yourself. So. It is another great week. Thanks for tuning in. We'll get started just after this. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern Coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. The gentleman that you're about to hear from today is is one of those people. Uh, this is a man that I've I've admired and looked up to. His name is Stephen Hanselman, and you maybe have never heard of him. Um, he is one of these magicians who works behind the scenes for some really really major authors. He's he has been in the publishing world for three decades. Um, started as a bookseller. He was a publisher. When I heard about him, it was because he's a literary agent. Um, truly one of the best and and most popular recognized literary agents in the world uh, for people like Ryan Holiday, Tim Ferriss, you know, uh, for our work week, stuff like that. This is the kind of projects that Stephen works on. And it's sort of fun because Stephen has now released his first book. He's co-authored it with Ryan Holiday. And the book is such a cool, delightful, handy little read. It's called The Daily Stoic, 366 Meditations on Wisdom, Perseverance, and the Art of Living. And... um, you know, Stephen is just a super smart guy, has a, uh, graduated from Harvard Divinity School, spent a lot of time in their philosophy department, and just has put together the coolest little book and, and has moved to uh, front and center as the author. So, Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. It's a delight to be here. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, you know, I wanted to actually go back to Harvard Divinity School, you know, like, I I guess I was just, you know, the daily Stoic, uh, you got wisdom here from Stoic philosophers and, 
you know, talk to me about like Harvard and, and then kind of the journey, like, did any of that, how did that lead or did, is that in any way connected and shape, you know, what, what is led to you writing this book at this time? Sure. Um, well, Harvard Divinity School was a kind of personal quest, um, for me. I really, I wasn't sure that I would be a teacher or what I would exactly do with a degree, but, I knew it was a place I wanted to be and a place where I could entertain the kind of questions that were important to me mm. and uh, to explore. And I found soon after I got there that, you know, there were amazing resources even beyond the Divinity School, like the philosophy department and really uh, amazing uh, faculty who were quite open to uh, divine uh types, divinity school types like me, Hillary Putnam in particular, who taught in the philosophy department. He was very receptive to uh, students from the divinity school. So it was just a great uh, environment for reading and exploring. And it was, you know, there that I really, for the first time, I'd, I'd known quite a bit about the Stoics um, from my undergraduate experience. But it wasn't until I uh, got to Harvard and uh, was doing my studies there that I started reading the primary texts uh, themselves. It was actually a, um, a fellow Harvard Divinity grad, uh, Thomas Wentworth Higginson. His translation of Epictetus was the first original source I I happened upon and, and uh, really uh, just enjoyed that, made such a profound uh, impression on me and really has uh, kind of led to more than 30 years of reading the Stoics now. So... And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I imagine the, uh, the background in the languages must have helped. I mean, that, that had to be a part of this as well, I, I assume. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, with the, with the Stoics and the late Stoics that we cover in this book, you're dealing with both, uh, Latin and Seneca, but, um, primarily to really kind of understand Stoic thinking and, uh, Epictetus and Marcus Aurelius, you're dealing with Koine Greek and, uh, my studies there began actually as an undergrad, um, uh, learning New Testament Greek and, and uh, you know, pursuing, pursuing that through the years. So, so why, uh, why now? Why, uh, you know, why this book? Why now? Why Ryan Holiday? Like, how did this all, how did this come together? It's funny, I, I, uh, I've known Ryan now for, uh, for quite a few years. I met him at a, an event that uh, Tim Ferriss threw. Uh, a marketing event. And at the time he was through several drafts of uh, his book, Trust Me, I'm Lying. And, you know, I was so impressed with the book, but more more than uh, what Ryan did in that amazing book, I was just impressed with uh, his very deep uh, approach to reading and ideas. Um, and, you know, my, my first impression of him was that he was someone who could make philosophy and not as a kind of abstract practice, but as something very practical for the purposes of daily life, he could bring uh, powerful ideas to his generation and beyond. And, you know, in our early conversations, you know, I, I, I let him know that one of the things I hope would happen was that he would start writing popular philosophy books. And of course, um, being so heavily influenced and in, in having read Marcus Aurelius for uh, 10 years, and I think he said more than 100 times now, uh, he's been able to take a lot of those core Stoic ideas and bring them to life in an incredibly 
powerful way that uh, is transforming people's lives. So. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And what are what are some of the big themes? Uh, you know, I, I don't know that the average person that listens to this show is you know very well versed necessarily in Stoic philosophy or the Stoics. Uh, I'm certainly not. I wouldn't be able to raise my hand and say, yeah, you know, I, I know all these people. I'm familiar with their writings. What are some of the big themes that you notice in Stoic philosophy? And 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 there's three primary authors here that you you focus this the Daily Stoic all around, right? Exactly. So yeah, the um, probably the most famous Stoic idea of all, the one that. Um, many people can quote if they know anything about Stoicism, is uh, Epictetus and his, you know, extremely uh, influential uh, handbook, the Enchiridion, uh, as it was called in Greek. Uh, the, the opening lines of that basically uh, have to do with some things are in our control and others are not. And it's this challenge of understanding and dividing uh, what we experience in life and our everyday experience uh, into the simple um, camps of what are the things that have to do with me, my decisions, my choices, the things I actually control, and what are external things, things that I have absolutely no control over, things like elections and the stock market and uh, what may happen uh, today when I go on my sales call. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you, I mean, uh, this is, uh, uh, the, the, these, these three authors, uh, do you, were they your favorite or did you just feel like they were the most relevant? Like how did, how did you, how did, and how did you decide what made it into the book? Cause what this is just to kind of paint the picture a little bit more for y'all listening is, is it's, it's, it's almost like a, it's almost kind of like a daily, a daily read, you know, it's like a, a calendar. There's a, a, like a thought for the, uh, for the day. Each passage has a story that kind of gives you context of what's going on. And then it has a, like a challenge, uh, or an exercise or a way to sort of make a practical application here of, of the stoic perspective behind it. So how did you narrow it down to these 366? So basically the, um, the book is almost entirely, I would say 90, 95%, uh, Seneca, Epictetus and Marcus Aurelius. So, um, you know, it's roughly a third each, um, from those sources. And there's, you know, quite a few other of the earlier Stoics, but, you know, we're dealing primarily with the late Stoics, the Stoics of the Roman period. And, you know, the Roman period, uh, the imperial period was a, a time of incredible change, great challenges, a lot of social anxiety. And, you know, at this point, you're, you know, between four and 500 years, uh, of the tradition of Stoic philosophy. So it's it's quite old now and become quite influential. And it's like at the center of all of public life. Um, you know, in the time of Seneca, he's tutor to Nero. And, you know, Nero is this tyrant, incredibly powerful and dangerous person who is being um, influenced by... Uh, or moderated as, as Seneca tried to do by the teaching that he is giving him from Stoic philosophy. So, you know, 
most of what we know about Stoicism comes from these three figures. There's not a whole lot of writing beyond them except fragmentary and and reports that we have from other accounts. So really the bedrock of this 500-year ancient philosophical tradition comes from the writings of Epictetus, Seneca, and Marcus Aurelius. So that's why we focused on them. And, you know, the ideas, they're, they're timeless and extremely powerful. Um, you know, they're very focused on the role of virtue in our lives and virtue is the source of happiness. And they're always telling us we can't put our hope uh, on external things. We have to focus on the things that are in our control and the decisions and choices that are ours alone to make. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What, what do you think are some of those things? Like, just you know, like one of my one of my very first thoughts was I said, uh, you know, I'm interested to to read and flip through this just because it's like how relevant is this? Uh, you know, it's extremely relevant, but. Uh, you know, when you think of the role of virtue in our lives, like, you know, do you, does, for you personally, do you think that, do you think of money? Do you think of, um, you know, like business leadership? Do you think of social media and like personal branding? Do you think of marriages? Like, is there a certain area of our, of the world today that you think that this is most relevant to? Well, when the Stoics talk about virtue, uh, they're not talking about, um, you know, something that you're going to find outside yourself. In fact, Epictetus says, you know, if you want to get some good in this life, you've got to get it from yourself. And the Stoic disciplines, uh, they were all about discipline, and they use a lot of different metaphors from sports, um, athletic competition, um, uh, military uh, uh, metaphors. And, you know, it's no accident that um, people in sports and the military really turn quite often to the Stoics because Stoic disciplines really help us turn away from the false value that we put on external things and redirect ourselves to the pursuit of virtue that can make us more effective in our lives and bring us, in the end, more joy and happiness in what we experience. So the four primary virtues for the Stoics are self-control, courage, justice, and wisdom. And when you read Marcus Aurelius in particular, you just become overwhelmed with this sense of how we are made for cooperation. And when we work with others, we have to treat them like their fellow trainees, like we are. And instead of being suspicious about how they might have it in for us, or be out to get us, or do us one better, we need to take a moment to sort of see things from their perspective and understand how they might be like us, approaching a real problem or uh, have an insight similar to the values and insights that we ourselves have. And that simple act of trying to get into another person's shoes and see it their way is, can be a profoundly powerful tool in living our daily lives. Um, you know, Marcus says that uh, the fruit of this life is a good character and acts for the common good. Mm -hmm. And if you look around the world today, how often do you hear that? How many people are living and operating as if that is true? And how much better would the world be if we did? 
it's amazing how just flipping through this, you know, unbeknownst even to myself, how many of the sort of philosophies that I have personally are rooted in, in, you know, probably came from somewhere that came from somewhere that was very much influenced by this, this kind of, this kind of writing. And it's, I think it's unfortunate because I don't think character is talked about that much. I don't feel like, um, we celebrate it. It's more like, uh, you know, it's like fame seems to be a much more valuable asset than personal character. I mean, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's the most ephemeral thing of all fame. And, um, you know, look at this day after the election, um, in a country that's so, deeply divided um uh, you know what you presume one day is going to be the outcome the next day is turned on its head um this is the nature of life and you know we have to continually ask ourselves you know what to what is my soul committed um uh, there is no as the stoics would say there is no virtue in things um, staying the same, and there's no evil in things changing. Um, and once you have that insight that you know change isn't something to be feared or persisting in this new state that we're all so comfortable with to be valued, when we realize that change is just change and that our business, what we ought to be about and what we should be doing is something else, and lies somewhere else, then we can focus on the present moment. We don't have to be bogged down by the past and the hopes and fears that we had related um, to the past. And similarly with the future, the Stoics always talk about um, fear and hope being the kind of flip side of a coin. You can sit and hope all you want about what you expect to happen tomorrow, but ultimately it's mostly out of your control. And therefore, it's better to focus on this moment, this very day, and turn to the things that you can choose, the things that you can do, the way, the duties that you have in your relationships with others. Um, there's this um, sphere of circles that um, Hierocles talks about, um, a great Stoic thinker. And you know, basically it begins with yourself and your closest relationships to your family and then your friends and your community. And it goes out to strangers and the world at large. And a stoic view of things is that we should always be working to try to bring those outer circles closer to ourselves, right? So that a friend gets treated like family, right? That someone in our community who we may or may not know gets treated more like a friend, uh, a stranger who we met from somewhere else, you know, gets treated as part of our community and so on. And that is a very powerful um, way of dealing with turbulent times and with, and with change. Yeah. I love the theme there of, of both the sort of the selflessness previously of sort of not, uh, 
of, of getting outside of yourself and thinking about others. And then also this idea of bringing people uh, sort of service, almost bringing them closer inside of, of the circle. So, you know, so, so talk to me a little bit about Stephen and what's going on in Stephen's world. I mean, you, you think about uh, virtue and you think about uh, character and making an impact on the world. And I think, uh, you know, it's amazing. I, I think if somebody went through your entire biography and looked at all the various projects that you've had a hand in, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible the amount of reach and the things that you're influencing. And it's fascinating to me that, you know, now, now, you know, here you are with this book and I guess what's, what's next for you? Like what, what, I guess what inspires you in terms of, you know, the use of your character and building your character and using your talents towards the next thing? Well, I think, you know, in, I'm, I'm at that sort of stage in my career where, um, and maybe it's just selection bias. Um, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> I found, um, through the years that I always gravitate to, um, people who are very much interested in the same kind of topics and themes that I am. And, you know, just for an example, out of my client list, um, you know, I, I was Jack Canfield's editor and publisher at HarperCollins for The Success Principles, which is a book that, you know, I'm sure a, a large number of, you, of your audience has, mm -hmm. has read and been influenced by. And, you know, when I um, first got the manuscript from Jack and I was reading it, his, his number one principle is this little formula, E plus R equals O, uh, events plus our response equals outcome. You know, events we do not control, but how we respond to what happens to us is entirely in our control. So it's it's all the leverage that we have on future outcomes in our lives. So if we just take 100% responsibility um, for our responses, um, we begin to see our lives improve. Now, that's a very stoic idea. In fact, I would, when I first read it, I was like, Jack knows his Epictetus well. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, and, um, so, you know, Jack's one example and of, of the selection bias I'm talking about. Another is Tim Ferriss, who, you know, is tremendously influenced by Seneca. Um, and there are quite a few ideas that he focuses on in, in Seneca, um, the power of negative visualization, imagining what's, what's the worst that can happen. Um, you know, what, what the Stoics call the, premeditatio malorum, you know, thinking about bad things before they happen so that, you know, you are more calm and steady in how you confront the things that will, you know, come across your path during a day. Um, uh, the power of saying no. Um, the Stoics are very big on this. You know, we they talk a lot about the value we place on things. Um, they, the, the Greeks had a word for it, axia. Uh, and this goes back to um, Epictetus and, um, and before him, all the way back to Zeno, uh, who was taught by Crates, the cynic. And, you know, the cynics always said that, you know, we constantly will trade things of great value for things of very little value. And this is like, this is a great cause of suffering in our lives. You know, every day we give our time and energy to things that we should just be saying no to. Um, so that we have that in reserve to say yes to the things that do deserve, that have true value. Um, uh, and then so, you know, Tim and, and Seneca, um, 
And then with Ryan, you've got Marcus Aurelius and, and just a tremendous focus. Ryan is just brilliant on um, extracting both Marcus Aurelius's profound sense of, you know, resilience and a, a being able to um, think with a reverse clause, like not to be so um, uh, clinging to your assessment or opinion about a situation that you can't let go and revise your approach to something. And Marcus was brilliant about this. And of course, the obstacle is the way is all about this idea, um, which has been, you know, tremendously successful book for Ryan now over 200,000 copies sold. And I saw that and just and growing like wildfire. So, you know, the late Stoics are sort of, they're all in the clients I've chosen to work with, um, you know, they're they're each drawing from and expressing the ideas. When I look, you know, to the work I did in publishing, even like in Christian spiritual formation, like when you deal with the Christian ascetical tradition, um, they're drawing in a huge way on Stoic thought. Um, you know, from the early church fathers through the desert fathers of Agrius Ponticus, all this tradition of asceticism, which comes from the Greek word ascesis, which is discipline, all these disciplines were drawing on um, the, the cardinal virtues of the Christian tradition. They're all drawing from the Stoic teaching about the virtues and disciplines for daily life. And, um, you know, I think it's, like I said, it's been more than 30 years now of, of interacting with these ideas and and helping my clients mine them and express them in new ways for a new generation. Um, the the work that I did as a publisher and and now as a literary agent with Peter Drucker. I mean, Peter Drucker is an excellent example of this same thing. I mean, Drucker had an amazing focus on character development in executives and not just getting things done, but getting the right things done. And this whole notion of focusing on what's right and, you know, the good of the organization and the good of society, these are, these are major blind spots if you look around our business landscape today. And, you know, it's something that I, as an agent, enjoy facilitating new voices to help correct this imbalance. Mm. I love that. I love that. Well, um, Stephen Hanselman is who you're listening to. The book is called The Daily Stoic. Uh, he wrote it with Ryan Holiday. Um, it's out right now. It's been on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. Uh, hit number two, I think, last week uh, or on the, the report that came out last week. And uh, I know the thrills of uh, the ups and downs of watching the list and trying to reach a lot of people and, and do that. And I'm, I'm very excited for you, Stephen, in terms of, uh, you know, having your name on the front cover and, and – uh, I think it's really, really good. Where do you want people to go to to learn more or connect with you or find out more about the book? They should go to dailystoic.com and um, they're going to find an incredible trove of free resources there. And if they sign up, they're going to get some great daily emails and just tons and tons of free content um, for additional reading. And uh, we hope to see, we hope to see a lot of people there. So. 
Yeah, check it out, dailystoic.com. Uh, Ryan Holiday, also, if you've never heard of him. I've never actually met or talked to Ryan, but um, another guy that's out there that I've I've heard really good things about and I know is a critical thinker, has some really great books, and um, certainly a lot of these things you're listening to, uh, obviously, in line with what we're talking about here and, and whatnot, everybody. So go check that out. Stephen, thank you so much for being here, and most of all, thank you for uh, the, the impact that you're, you're making and multiplying uh, through all the world. <laughs> Interesting stuff. You know, I, I will have to honestly admit, I don't know much about you know, Stoic philosophers and not been something that I've studied specifically, although I definitely remember reading them in undergraduate um, philosophy, which interestingly enough, I think I got a B minus. That was one of the only Bs that I ever had my whole life uh, uh, was uh, in, in one of those classes in college. And uh, so it wasn't really my thing, but it's sort of ironic now doing what I do, having a chance to look back and, and it's been fun to flip through this, this little book and, you know, realize just how, how many of these philosophies are things that I, I, I find, you know, agreeable and, and, and congruently aligned with. So, but there were two things that Stephen uh, talked about, I think that really spoke to me and I just want to take the the little mental highlighter here and, um, hopefully draw some attention for you. And the first one is just sort of the, the fundamental root of a, a lot of the book and, and that, that era of work, which is just the power of personal choice. You have a choice. You always have a choice. There are things that we can't control, but inside of everything that we can't control, our response is something we can control. In, inside of every environment or circumstance that we find ourselves in, we have a choice, and we have a choice of how we're going to respond. That is a powerful just component of our lives, a huge component of our lives that we we underestimate and we forget about and we let go we lose sight of that you have a choice and this applies not only to just sort of like our our attitude but it also applies very much i think to our productivity to our time right it's so easy to think i'm so busy i mean because there are so many emails and there's so many tasks and so many ideas that we don't have time to execute and 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 we we think about at least i do I think about how busy I am and how overwhelmed I am and, and so often how I let myself just be completely just like uh, consumed with how much there is, uh, how far behind I am, quote unquote, behind on, on everything that maybe I would like to do. And yet everything that is going on in our life is the result of our choice, right? You are not too busy. Busy is not something that happens to you. It, it's something that you allow yourself to, to, to experience. Just like stress isn't something that happens to you. It's a, it is a feeling that you allow your body to be consumed with because it is, it is applying mental energy in the direction of worry of something that is happening in, instead of taking that mental energy and that emotional energy and just driving it towards you know action, towards productive focus, towards, towards completion, towards doing something. And 
And that is a choice. That is a choice. And everything that is going on in your life was a choice, is the result of a choice that was either made or allowed by you. And it's it really is that simple. And so I think that is a huge reminder. And it's it's a worthwhile reminder. And even though we're not in control of so many things, we still have a choice every day, a response that we get to choose to make. And that is the part that we should expend focus on, right? There's no there's no value in expending energy or worry or frustration or fear in the direction of things that are outside of our control. So that was the first big one for me. The second one was really, and we talked about it a little bit, and Stephen brought this up, is this idea of pursuing character, which is a lost, lost value in the world. We pursue fame, we pursue importance, we pursue significance, we pursue promotion, we pursue success, we pursue achievement, we pursue um, you know, being valued by others, we pursue recognition, we, we pursue rewards, we pursue all of these things, and, and it's not, not that they're all bad necessarily, and, and it's, it's not that there's not value that comes from some of those things, but the, the idea in its pure essence, in its purest form of pursuing virtue, pursuing character, being a person of character, that has tremendous value. You know, because so many of the things that we're chasing, I think what we're really chasing is peace. It's not just that we want money. It's that we want to to be able to pay for the things in our life and not feel like we're going to owe people something and not feel like we have to work always. It's it's peace that we're chasing, right? It's, it's not that we're chasing recognition. We're wanting a sense of importance. We're wanting people to to value us. But so many of those things that we're chasing and we look to the external, we go after what the, where the world says we're going to find those things and we get convinced that, oh my gosh, it's, it's really the number of, of Instagram followers that's going to make me feel successful or important and we chase those things down. And like I say, there's, there's often good things that come out of that. They're byproducts that I think fall out of, of pursuit just in general. But the funny thing is, is that we go after this race and we make this climb and then we get there and we find out, crap, that, that thing that I wanted, that thing that really mattered, that the pursuit of that, that peace, that, the, the deep satisfaction, the um, enoughness that, that we were hoping to feel didn't result as a byproduct of the thing that we were chasing. But what does result in that, what does give us that sense of, of, of satisfaction, that sort of tranquil confidence, that, that pristine and humble yet convicted sense of purpose, that it's that person that you meet that they maybe are quiet, you know, they're not braggadocious, they're not over the top, they're not arrogant, but you... You get just from uh, the sense of being around them that they are very 
happy. They're they're enriched. They're spiritually fulfilled. They're they have joy, a, a real deep sense of joy. And I have to agree that that comes from the pursuit of character. That comes from you know having having no regrets, right? Like ha- not having made good choices, or if you haven't made good choices, it's, it's having experienced the fullness of forgiveness and having experienced the richness of, of a, a chance to start over. But to start over, not to, again, pursue worldly things, but to pursue that virtue, it's to live with a clean conscience. It's That is is the idea, is to know that you're, you're living the life that you were created to live, you're doing the best you know how to do, and you're kind and compassionate and caring and and you do excellent work and quality work but work also isn't the only thing in your life that matters that is so important and unfortunately so rare and something that we don't hear enough about and so those were good reminders for me just uh, choice and character you have a choice you 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 aren't in control of much, but you're always in control of something, right? You're not in control of much, but you're always in control of something. And you're always in control of your attitude. Your control, you are in control of how hard you work, how long you work. Um, you're in control of how much you learn, right? Or at least how, how much you study, you are in control of what you say to other people. You are in control of what you think about other people. You are in control over how you use your time. You are in, in control of the, the amount of gratitude that you choose to live with. You have control. And the other one, character. That character is a worthy pursuit. Character is a meaningful cause. Character is a vehicle of 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 hope it is a a source and a wellspring of deep satisfaction and joy so this week i would just encourage you and invite you and challenge you to make good choices realize you have the power of choice because choice and character are so connected they're so interrelated and that if you make good choices you're going to be building good character it's and, and if you're building good character, you're going to experience the fullness of, of life and the freedom of forgiveness and the, the peaceful pursuit of, of, you know, just living passionately. I think th- those are the things that come. Those are the things that result. It's, it's kind of like you always get paid for how hard you work, sometimes now, oftentimes later, always eventually. Well, you always get rewarded for making good choices. Right? Sometimes with money, sometimes with recognition, but always with inner peace. So make good choices and pursue quality character. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that helps new prospective listeners determine if the show's really a good fit for them. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. 
Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.